Welcome back, PokerCast faithful. All the guys who have been tuning in for a while, glad you're here. All the new newcomers, really glad you're here, especially for a special episode with, with Mr. Philly Boy. Uh, I got my co-host, the normal crew here. Uh, I got Andrew on the line, Andrew Bradshaw, the man from the now working at the Hustler Casino, pretty much running the joint. Uh, so Andrew's always got some good insight into the casino operations and that side of things. And uh, guy I've known since, gosh, we were we were just young kids in Seattle. Uh, Andrew's been my best friend for a long time, and uh, happy to have him on. Andrew, how you doing? I'm good, and I'm always shadowed by my co-host Chase. Chase is a man living out his dreams one hand at a time on the felt. I've been able to watch Chase's journey from just grinding it and pretty much being a nose open blaster uh, to <laughs> to an online pro. Uh, and the struggles of what happened after Black Friday to now recently, last couple of years, he's had a lot of MTT success, been able to watch firsthand him ship a bracelet. Um, and now he frequently plays in the biggest games on the East Coast. And he's made an acquaintanceship with uh, Mr. Phil Helmuth. We mm-hmm. pretty much used this playing and playing together, which was yeah. crazy. Yeah, uh, both in some tournaments, which we get to, I think, and then also uh, through live cash. For those of you that don't know, we use that this poker cast to catch up on life, poker, and all the messy things we get ourselves into in between. Uh, we really are, are glad to have all of you with us today as we welcome a special interview with our special guest today, Phil Helmuth, the legend. <laughs> the legend, Philly. I really, I was a little worried he was going to big time us, but I'm so pumped Philly's on the podcast. Yes. It's like, not this is not the normal, but maybe it can become the normal. You know what I'm saying? True. Yeah, most of these poker casts that we're not doing interviews, we've been fortunate to have some really good interviews in our library. Um, we discuss just between the two of us a variety of topics that might include like hand histories, some of your high stakes stories, um, some strategy concepts from time to time. I discuss some poker rulings. We go through some stuff that happens while you play and from our listener questions. And we just cry, kind of chronicle our lives inside and outside of the felt. Um, we try to keep it fun, try to keep it moving, and it's never never too lengthy, I think. So we we try to make this a fun, enjoyable time for us and you guys as well. Yeah, I think so. And we had, we had a good time in, the, uh, in this interview. So uh, let's just get to it. It's, it's a really fun interview. I think you guys will enjoy. So uh, here's the legend. White Magic. We've got a special guest today that needs absolutely no introduction. Probably the most famous poker player in the world for the last 10 years. We are blessed to have Phil Helmuth with us here on the podcast. Chase? What's up, Phil? Welcome to the pod, man. How's it going? Good, man. It's been, what, like three, four weeks since I've seen you? <laughs> since you put a really bad beat on me, I mean? <laughs> uh, you know, I was going to wait a little while to bring up uh, bring that up, but... Yeah, let's get right into it. Uh, how did uh, I think that's the first uh, losing session you've had at National Harbor in the last couple of years that you've come, huh? Yeah, I believe that's true. Uh, well, the games are so good there, so I mean, it's like you know, <laughs> we we do put together some fun poker games when you come in town, Phil. It's a good time. They do, and uh, and yeah, I mean the the that pot, I believe. Well, that pot would have. I only lost ten thousand, so that pot had over ten in it. That would have gotten me winner. Absolutely. I think it was like a $12,000 pot. Hey, no so we, we've heard Chase walk us through it. Phil, why don't, why don't you walk us through what really happened? 
<laughs> in that pot for for those of for those people that don't know or didn't follow on Instagram. Well, you see the the you see you've you've got two things with Chase. You've got the brilliance of Chase and the stupidness of Chase. Both both exist <laughs> as exists with most poker players. So, by the way, I mean all of us have our have our. So Chase plays a lot, a lot, a lot of hands. Super, super, super aggressive, <laughs> and that probably causes huge swings for him on a daily basis. And probably pretty big swings on a weekly or monthly basis. Um, I, I can't. Story checks out. Yeah. And so he's playing super fast, super fast, <laughs> super fast. And I'm letting him kind of do his thing, staying out of his way. And then finally he re-raised. And I called a little bit light. I'd been letting him rob me, rob me, rob me. And I called a little bit light. And I think I had queen nine. Is that right? Queen nine? Yeah, queen nine yeah. suited, I believe. Queen nine suited. And it came queen eight deuce. And he checked. And I said, okay, now I have the absolute nuts against him. Um, he, you know, I hit a queen and I'm willing to put in the rest of my money, but how can I, you know, how can I act very quickly and yet not let him know that I had a queen? So I checked behind fairly quickly and like a three came off and there's a possible flush draw. And now he just let out for pot and I raised him big. Um, and, uh, and I went, I want it to look like I had the ace five of spades, which was the back door straight and flush draw. And, you know, I already know I was going with a hand. And so, you know, he's studying, he's studying, he's looking at me, looking at me. I'm like, you have a flush draw, you have a flush draw, you have a flush draw. I'm chanting to myself, you have a flush draw, please fold, please fold, yeah, please fold. For, let's try and get and, a uh, And then, I don't know, for some reason, of course, he just snap moves. He moves all in. It took, took a minute, a full minute. And I just snapped it off. And I said, queen. And he said, that's good. Run it once. He just shouts, run. That's good. Run it once. It's <laughs> like, what the fuck? I mean, if you have a pocket tens in a spot and your opponent tells you, you know, why do you run it once? I mean, you want to give yourself a couple chances, right? Run it once. So I just thought to myself, wow, he's just really dead here. And uh, a 10 pops off. And uh, and he's like, that's me. And he flips up his hand, looks all embarrassed, frazzled. <laughs> So, I mean, really, it's just a, one more time where I won a big pot uh, in the Skolansky Bucks universe. But my Skolansky Bucks balance is as big as anybody's in history. So, And so is my regular account balance. So I tend to always have the best hand. <laughs> Was that cocky? Ah, you know, that's that's just Phil being Phil. No, I wouldn't expect any less. A little cocky. <laughs> so when is the next time you, you gentlemen are going to see each other? Is it probably series main event or – do you, are you are you traveling right now, Phil? Or are you back home in California? Yeah, I just got home. Just spent uh, three days in Palm Springs and two days in Vegas. And uh, I'm going to Florida Wednesday, so my wife's not happy. I have my regular high stakes game tonight, and you know <laughs> she only really gets to see me Sunday night and Tuesday night. But I really want to, you know, I really want to pursue. I've only been uh, to Florida once in the last six, seven, eight years, ten years, and I really wanted to pursue. Uh, the WPT. Um, so I finished second. That's the only one you don't have a title in, right? Yes. I have a second at the bike in the first event of the season. First WT hires me to be a commentator. And then, and then I show up to the bike and finish second. And so they said, wow, Phil, you should play a few more events. Probably if you have two more 14s, you'll be player of the year. And, you know, and I just didn't, um, I showed up to Bellagio. I had a lot of chips there, but I kind of blew that one. And then, and then I showed up to the e-commerce and, and, you know, I got to like 700,000 chips with about two tables left. Um, and so I don't know, we had five, 600 players in that one, whatever it was. 
And um, yeah, that, that was when we played together, right? Yeah, just yeah, like right. a couple months that's ago. Yeah, first you were playing really fast, all in all, and all in a lot. <laughs> it's funny, yeah, like the first two hands we played on day two, we were at the same table, and I picked up like ace queen, ace king back to back, and fills in the blinds both times. It was beautiful. I, I took like half your stack, and I thought you were going to be down and out, but you just like wrote it out and ended up with pretty big stack at the end of the day, if I remember right. Yeah, that's right. I was never all in, which was nice. Uh, just kind of like a really good Phil Hellmuth uh, moment where I ran up to 700K without being all in. Unfortunately, it didn't close well, but I decided for the first time that I kind of want to go for player of the year. In the past, if there's a player of the year was on the line for a card player, that was an important for us. But I would just, and they said, oh, wow. And all I had to do was spend two weeks playing hard in December and I might win it. I just wouldn't leave my house because whatever, you know, I mean, I, what I really wanted was bracelets and I really wanted my family to be number one. So I've really not done a good job. And if you look at every top poker player, tournament player in the world, uh, the last 15 years, I've played less WPTs than everybody. So I'm just not out there very often. But this time after my 14th place finish, um, I believe I don't need too much to win WPT player of the year. I'm already playing May 1st in Vegas. I'm already playing May 20th in Vegas. And so I thought, man, I just want to add this. I just want to give myself a chance. And so I'm going to fly all the way to Florida. Huh. So do you think that, I mean, I, I hear you get so pumped up about tournaments and I think like your levels of focus seem to be when I was playing with you, you were more, more focused in tournaments and in the cash game, you were kind of more relaxed. Do you think that that's just like you're more motivated in tournaments, whereas cash games, you kind of chill out and just take it easy more? I've been on such a massive run in the cash games. I haven't lost three times in a row. 2015, I lost three in a row, but I mean less than $15,000. In my next session out of the box, I won 80. So I haven't lost three times in a row in the cash games since 2015. And like I said, even then, uh, I won ten to- eight times what I'd lost over those three sessions. So it was really small stake stuff. So I-, I really have a really good system for the cash games and uh, and I've just been crushing. It's been nice. And so, yeah, there's a lot less pressure you know, when you're just winning millions in cash games, you don't really, you know, now I'm playing with you guys on the East coast. The game's really easy. I know the game's easy. And so, you know, it's not, it's not like I really, and yet I hate losing. So uh, I was a little bit tilted after that hand with you. Well, and I just, I think I just stormed off the bed, not stormed off. <laughs> <laughs> you were losing sleep over it, Phil. It's like, what the hell is going on here? I, I, I knew this guy was, this guy's playing every fucking hand. Obviously, I'm going to bust him four or five times. Obviously, I'm going to play even tighter against him and just show him only the nuts because I don't want to give him any, you know. Uh, and so finally gambled a little bit with queen nine suited. And then, you know, and just got you all in there on the turn with two outs. It was, it was kind of gross. We had like 1,400 each in before the flop. We put in it's like a, 11K a- each on the turn. It was kind of sick. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty standard chase chase spot. Yeah. So if I if I st- I knew if I stayed if I stayed maybe maybe I could run up to forty or fifty thousand. But I also had the microphone all day the next day, and so yeah, you were emceeing the uh, the charity event, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you do a lot of those charity events, don't you? Yeah, you know I've raised fifty two million dollars at these charity events. Now, when I say that, everybody's applauding and saying great, but but remember that just means I emcee. Um, and a lot of times I get paid $25,000. My corporate rate is $50,000 a day. So for charity events, I charge 25,000 for not all, but some, uh, especially ones where I have to travel. And then, um, 
But I feel really good about that because my average charity event raises a million, so I'm getting 2.5%. Whereas in the past, you know, when people did charity events, I just I didn't respect what people would do where they would um, say, oh, we're doing a charity event. They'd raise $18,000 and they'd give like two of it to charity or three of it to charity. Yeah. So I feel really good only charging what amounts to about 2%. Um, that feels good to me. And, you know, I've been told when I do the one for Children's Hospital of Philadelphia that because I'm there, they make an extra $500,000 a night. Wow. So it feels pretty good to me because they're looking for that primary sponsor, someone to give 250 or 500 K and my name seems to help. And then all of a sudden the donation's done. So I feel really good about that. Yes, I do make some money from the events. Um, not life changing money for me, but, uh, and, but it feels really good. It feels like it's a really, um, win, 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 win. Is there a certain charity Phil that you're associated with, or you love to do work with, or is it just kind of dependent on the cause? If you feel that, I know you've done stuff with like the Clinton organization, I think. Yes, you know, uh, that's right. We've raised, uh, for, for the Clinton organization, I've raised $5 million in three events, or maybe it's $4 million. Uh, that's fun. Um, I always have fun. And, uh, you know, I joke with President Clinton. He told me that, uh, that he, had a, he brought his own chipset to the White House, and yet there's already a chipset there. So uh, that, that's a fun one. I do Tiger Woods event, which comes May 18th. That's a 10K buy-in. We're going to raise maybe 1.3 million. That's fun. And then Tiger and I drink and play blackjack and smoke cigars till late in the morning. <laughs> and then uh, I do one for the Golden State Warriors. And that's fun because, you know, all the Warriors now are like, you know, very friendly and on speed dial. And then I sit on the floor a lot. And so they see me and, you know, we play poker with some of the Warriors players. Um, I'm not going to comment on who. Um, right. You can't out them. But I mean, anyway, it's a, it's a, so, I mean, these charity events are just, they're a blast. I mean, I even have a, I even have a video posted on Facebook where Steph Curry needs a king on the river in a charity event. And I have it posted in 360 and it's pretty cool. Uh, he hits the king and the whole place goes crazy and his hands are up in the air like he hit a three pointer to win a game, you know, <laughs> um, and, and that's kind of fun. And, and so I also do one for uh, a group of Chicago I call them the Chicago billionaires. We do it for the Holocaust museum. Um, and that's fun. We, I play high stakes poker with these guys. And one of my friends is about to, you know, the guy who started, it's about to be governor of Illinois. It looks like he's a huge lead in the polls. Um, amazing, amazing guy. And so, yeah, for me, for me, these events are just, uh, I don't know, fun. And I have the mic, the one you saw chase, there were a thousand people in the room. Mm hmm. And I had the mic from I had the mic from 10 a.m. until 10 p.m. and talked, you know, at least 20 minutes out of the hour. So it's very tiring, but I rap on the mic. I have just fun. I make fun of people. I get the energy up in the room, and people love it. <laughs> and they try to hire me back every time I do one. He's doing do did one from Eva Longoria for four or five years. Oh, Phil, it's fun. Phil, I mean, they try to hire me back on the spot. Would you grace us with one of your raps? That would make me so happy. Way up, I feel blessed. Way up, I feel blessed. I live the life I deserve. Blessed. Fuck a vacay, I feel better at work. Blessed. So, you know, I'm just kind of having fun out there doing this. <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome. Man. People love that one. And, and people love that one. It seems to be, uh, <clears throat> I might be, you know, and I'm not, you just asked me cold to do it. 
Uh, but anyway, maybe something. And we didn't even have a beat. Yeah, that was straight acapella right there. Black and yellow, black and yellow, black and yellow, black and yellow. You know what it is? Everything I do, I do it big. Black and yellow, black and yellow. Black and yellow. Ooh, I like that one better. Yeah, that one that one comes across yeah. pretty good. I do some Jay Z raps, but I'm rapping on the mic, just adding energy to the room. People love it. Phil, does anyone have as much fun in poker as you? I mean, I, we really got to ask because you've been around the poker scene and been relevant for so long. But it's awesome to see you still like have a blast and are so engaged. Yeah, you know, that's a, actually like kind of a fun question too. I, I really, I really think I have more fun than anybody else, and I think, and I think the reason why is stability of life too, right? Balance of life. So I've been married. Wait, I want to get this right. I've been married twenty. Wow, that's a lot of years. 28 years we've been married. And I'm super happy and, you know, um, I'm lucky. And and I'm blessed. You know, I'm blessed to, you know, when I get to write books and I get to host TV shows and I get to kind of choose my schedule and go wherever I want to go. And so, and we've raised two, two children. Our boys are 27 and 24. So, yeah, I think I'm having more fun than anybody else in poker. And I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, balance and friends. You know, I didn't understand how important friends were. I didn't really have close friends until I was 45, just poker friends. And, uh, but I just wouldn't see them often enough because I never lived in Vegas, you know? Mm. And now somehow I have these friends that are changing the world, you know, um, you know, and, you know, kind of the cutting edge of, of technology. And, and, you know, I have a bunch of incredible friends and I'm, I'm blessed to have those. So, yeah, I, I think I have more fun than anybody in poker. <laughs> yeah, I definitely have fun playing with you. And people kind of give you a hard time about your like emotional moments or like quote unquote blow ups. But man, I like I so enjoy those. Uh, <laughs> I, I think they're great. We actually. I wanna, How old are you, Ch- Chase? What's that? How old are you? I am 30. So, I mean, the great thing is that anybody who's at my table from age 21 to 35 they love it when I blow up. I mean, now, don't get me wrong, but probably one every 30 people are really offended when I blow up and they take it personally. But it used to be 30 out of 30 were offended. And then all of a sudden it was 15. And now it's one out of 30. Because, Chase, when I go off, someone like you is putting your hands to your face because you're laughing so hard. You don't want to show me you're laughing at me with me. <laughs> and that's exactly what happens. And, and, and then people are like, I'm in the club. Phil finally went off on me. It's crazy. It's turned into this, like, badge of honor to have me go crazy and it's turned into this like everybody wants to see it and it's i think it's because they know that i'm a good guy and that i just can't control myself yeah i think that's true especially it's so different when you're watching it on tv and you don't have any emotional or you don't have any personal like relationship or attachment with the person but when we're playing a session we're playing poker together there's just like that instant connection that you have with people sitting around the table that I, when I watch you on TV, I was like, this guy is obnoxious. But when I'm playing with you, it's like, oh, this is Phil. Like, this is, you know, this is just part of who he is. He's competitive. He's having a good time. You know, he's getting a little heated about uh, losing a hand. So I, I think it's just, it's different. And if people could have that real experience of playing with you, I think they'd see that a lot more. Yeah, you know, you're 100% right about that. It's, uh, it's very interesting that, um, it's very interesting that, it's it's just kind of a uh, and and you know something else you talk about the world saying wow he's an asshole he's obnoxious those words come up he's obnoxious he's an asshole he's a jerk he can't control himself and and that was the initial presentation of me to the world on television 
And I always right. I think they really played it up in the early days. Yeah, he's the bad boy of poker. Well, no, I don't do drugs. He's the bad boy of poker. Well, no, I never cheat on my wife. He's the bad boy of poker. No, I'm not out there drinking till four in the a.m. He's a bad boy of poker. No, I'm not ever doing anything remotely unethical ever. He's the and so it's just there was no kind of like rhyme or reason for me being the bad boy of poker except for John McEnroe like blowups. And I assume that. You know, when I was labeled the bad boy of poker in 020304, I just assumed the world would figure out I was actually the good boy of poker by 07. But it never happened, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think the problem is, I mean, there are some casual fans who who definitely you're a household name with, but they, they see all that edited TV where they're watching these 30-minute clips where they're looking for something exciting and you're exciting, but they don't really get to know like in a game, how frustrating it is like if people don't really play poker or in a tournament, they don't understand what it is to be competitive. And like you've just verbalized a lot of what most of us think anyways, you know, in tournaments where it's like, how is this person making this call? Like, it's so gross, you know, but it's just become part of your persona. And I think, um, do you do you mind people associating that with you these days? Because it's been so long since those early days. Well, so- it has, it has actually turned. I think it turned last year. But the point is it was really hard and still in 10 when still. But I think even from day one, all the other stars came up to me, guys like Johnny Chan and Mattisau and these guys are like, Phil. every time someone brings up poker, they want to talk about you more than anybody else. Like, <laughs> all these guys came up to me and said, fuck, what is the deal here? You know, why, why do they want to talk? You know, yeah. and, and most of the guys said, I defended you, you know, which was nice. And so there is a confusion. I don't think that people just said, hey, Phil's a jerk. There was a confusion behind it. Wait a minute. He can't be that bad. And so and so as people saw more and more television coverage, I think now it's finally turned to the point where I think, uh, you know, I have 60 or 70 percent actually understand that I'm a good guy. But 100 percent of the poker world, the insiders know that I'm a good guy. So we had one of our I had one of my Instagram uh, followers. He he we have a couple questions from Instagram, but one of them kind of relates to this is like, what do you what do you feel and what's going through your head when you're having one of those moments where you're just like verbally uh, kind of going off? Is it is this something that's just like uncontrollable or are you just kind of like letting it rip? What's what's going through your head when the, when that stuff's going on? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely uncontrollable. I've, I've, you know, the weird thing was that I was getting chastised for the way I was acting all through the 90s. And I remember writing for Card Player Magazine. I had a column and uh, hand of the week. And I think I wrote 500 columns and they kept threatening, oh, I heard you acted up, Phil. And if you do it again, I'm going to take away your column. So said Linda Johnson, you know. And, uh, and so I was trying to control myself to the best of my abilities the whole time. You know, and, you know, the weird thing was I might play poker for 10 days and go off twice. And that's only when I'm really deep and somebody does something really absurd. And then I think what happens in my mind at that point is, you know, um, is this just like I'm the oldest of five. I talk about this in my autobiography, Poker Brett. I'm the oldest of five. And um, and all my younger brothers and sisters had better grades than me. They all were more athletic. They all played instruments. And so my father, who has a PhD, a JD, and an MBA, more letters than anybody else I even know of, he prized education. He prized athletics. And he prized instruments. Well, I sucked at all three 
and especially had horrible grades. And so that led to a lot of uh, friction in our household. And at least I had to be able to beat my brothers and sisters at something. And so I became a games master. And so I was the best at Monopoly, the best. So I'm great at all games and all games I learned extraordinarily quickly, better than all the other world-class games people can I learn these games super quickly. So if they introduce a new game in poker, I'm, I'm the favorite for the first couple months. And then I might get passed by a group that's really studying it hard. That's what happened with, you know, Chinese, or with the open face. And so, and so, yeah, it's for me, um, what am I trying to say here? So your, your competitiveness or that kind of comes out of your, your childhood roots of yeah, and so, not being able to control that and wanting to compete. Imagine my poor younger sister, you know, uh, playing backgammon against me. And the only way she can win is by rowing double sixes, double fives, and she does it. <laughs> and then I go crazy. What the hell is going on? The only way you can beat me is if you double six, double fives. You misplayed this, you misplayed that, blah, 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 blah. Because I didn't have anything left, right? you know, to hang on to. And so if they got lucky and beat me, I had to let them know. And, of course, that just kind of then translated. And, of course, I went from you know, a pariah to someone like Linda Johnson in the nineties to having, you know, the head of the world poker tour telling me, Phil, we need you to lose it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> the head of ESPN. Coverage, oh, they, yeah. Phil, I'm sure they love it. The producers. <laughs> don't you? Oh, the television ratings when I'm on are so much bigger than when there's any other, when anybody else is on. So, and it's because I lose it, I guess. Hmm. I mean, I, I watch it. I, I watch regular poker and then I watch me on there and or Daniel on there. And I'm like, man, uh, yeah, I lost it. And I, I'm cringing at home, but I'm like, wow, it's some good television. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, and I think, Phil, you bring up a good point, which is kind of how a lot of people forget that while this is a sport and it's competition, it's still there's brands at, at stake here and there's business. Um, one of our other Instagram followers asks in a later part of your career now, do you feel yourself as, as more of a, do you view yourself more as a poker player or more of a brand and how much do you really care about your branding and all of that? Yeah. You know, the branding stuff has been great to me, right? I have so many deals that I'm not for the first time. I'm really not looking for any new deals, which is nice to say, right? I just signed a big contract with decent dot bet, you know, which is a, uh, a crypto, a crypto casino. I'm really excited about that and where we're going. I still have my deal with the Aria. I have, I'm on four advisory boards for four different companies. And so for me, like, and that's fun. Hmm. And I get to hang out with some of the coolest people on the planet. And so, um, the brand has been really, really good to me. It's interesting that, and I wrote this book positivity, which I really, I truly believe will help millions of people. Hashtag positivity, eight life lessons. No, chapter two is nice. Get that plug in there, Phil. Yeah. Well, chapter two is well. This is this is beyond a plug. This this is the book where maybe I'll make ten million with the book. But forget that. I mean, if I can help millions of people and inspire millions of people, like chapter two is just take your life goals, you write them down, tape them to your bathroom mirror, and so and so. I believe this book is going to sell millions of copies, and that's super important to me. But now that I have it released, I mean, I got to tell you guys, Chase and Andrew, I I had more. I was actually worried for about how long, like longevity for the first time in my life. I told my wife, honey, if something happens to me, you need to finish this book. That's how important I felt it was. But now it's out there and now I can support it by doing book signings and getting the word out. 
Mm. But it's weird. It's kind of like my focus has gone right back to poker. Like uh, it seems like I'm 100% poker at this moment. And I can't, it seems like it's been a while since I've been 100% poker. So uh, Phil, have, do you put a lot of work in on your game? Another one of our followers wanted to know how much you've had to retool your game since the nineties. And like, what does that look like for you? Cause I imagine it's probably different than a lot of people. Well, you have to pay attention to what everybody else is doing, right? You have to know what they're doing. But I think the number one thing for me is reads. If my reading ability is on, I can play any strategy I want to play. And it's interesting to me, the critics of my game, and there's a lot of critics, no matter what I do, I have more critics than anybody else in poker. It's just a fact. And so people, oh, Phil, I mean, you have people that watch me on my worst day, film a TV show, they play it on television, and they say, oh, Phil sucks at poker. Really? Then they sit down with me and they're like, fuck, you know, <laughs> after a couple of hours, they're like, fuck, well, I guess he doesn't suck at poker, but there's a lot of people that have never <laughs> sat down with me. So they see two or three bad minutes and like, oh, he sucks. Um, and so, but to me, if you have perfect reading ability, not saying it, but if someone had, if someone were omniscient, okay, then obviously that omniscient person would never put the money in until the river. I'm just saying, if you had... Let's retool that and say not omniscient. Let's say you understood, you knew what everybody's whole cards were every hand. You would never play a big pot to the river. Right. Someone dealt you ace the second out of the tournament, the other guy had kings. You're not going to put in a penny before the flop because, because you have perfect reads. You're going to get all the chips anyway and probably win the whole tournament in 10 hours in record time, right? And so why would you ever take a chance with aces again? You're only four and after one favorite. Now you might get lazy late and put in half your stack with aces against kings and take the four and after one. But even then, why do that? You know, why, why only be four and after one favorite? So if you start from that perspective, very interesting mm. possibilities open up about how to play poker. And so my game is not based on everybody else's game. I'm not pure math. I'm about the reads. And if I'm reading people well, I'm going to win a lot of tournaments. I'm going to win more than anybody else on the planet. And I've done that, you know. And so, and I'm going to have more deep finishes than anybody else, you know. And, and unfortunately for me, I mean, I guess I'm all over the map with this answer. Um, unfortunately for me, I can't, I only end up playing 25% no limit hold'em at the series every year. So it's harder to actually get down there and win. Um, and I may switch back to a little bit more no limit, um, because I think that that's, there's just so much skill in that game. And I feel like it's also the best game to play, I think, and the most fun and still the hottest game in the world. Hmm. So interesting. So you're so read heavy that the way that you adapt to the game is almost like you rely on your reads and it's not as much a strategic adjustment as how you so if you read someone as weak, you just need to know what weakness means for them. You don't need to know like a GTO strategy. You just kind of need to keep up with the trends of the game. It almost sounds like. That's a good insight, Chase, because what weak means to them would throw me off with all these crazy uh, amateurs that came in in 02, 03, 04, 05, where you saw me go crazy because, you know, strong to them was a hand that I wouldn't put in one chip with sometimes, you know? Oh, I had queen jack suited. Yeah, well, okay. You know, I would never put in half my stack with that hand. You know, I would never put in 30 big blinds with that hand ever. And yet, so that that's a good observation, Chase. Then you have to understand, yes, my read is perfect. What exactly does that mean? Phil, what, what do you do when uh, when your reads are off? Or like, let's say, let's say you go through an emotional blow up because we've seen those tournaments where, you know, early on someone decimates half your stack and some disgusting like two out or three out or whatever it is but we've seen you be able to refocus and still come back and, and win a tournament it's not like you're punting your stack off will you walk us through how you're able to refocus in those moments after you have that emotional cool down 
Well, I do go a little bit crazy, obviously. My nickname is Poker Brat, so I will lose it a little bit. But I think <clears throat> that might all in all be healthy for me at the end of time, right? Because I'm getting a lot of negative emotion out. And then, you know, you look at the 80s and early 90s, I probably would tilt through the tournament half the time. I'd probably tilt the rest off half the time. And then you make those adjustments and get better. And one thing I like to do when I take a bad beat is count exactly how many chips I have. And so you have to ask yourself like a series of questions. One, how many chips do I have? Two, how many big blinds is that? Three, how long are the levels? How much time before the next break? So those kind of four questions. And when I do that, I really seem to focus a lot better than just focusing, you know, rather than going off on a bad beat and talking about it for 10 hands later, 20 hands later, or in Chase's case, six weeks later. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that leads me into one of our last Instagram questions. How did it feel to get stacked by me in a big pot? (laughs) Disgusting. No, it was it was fun. I mean, you know, it's just poker. I mean, you're giving a lot of action, and uh, and you know, I suspect you won't play like this in three or four years. But your strategies, the thing I love about your strategy, I, I played fast like you many many times, many even for a year straight playing that fast, and it's really fun because eventually you wear people down. Eventually you wear people down with all the pressure. They have to lower what ends up happening to say lower the hands that they're going to go with with you, right? And so at first they're super tight against you, and you're just blasting so often that they're like, all right, screw it. I'm going to call a big race with King Jack. And, you know, if it comes Jack 10-4, that's the nuts against Chase. I'll put in 100 big blinds, right? right (laughs) The problem with you is you might have Queen Jack in that hand. But, (laughs) but I mean, uh, and so I I suspect I've played fast like that too. Um, I just – and so I think – what the hell am I saying again? Well, I was just trying to connect with your emotional state of uh, me putting the nasty on you. (laughs) Yeah, and so it, it didn't. It well, bothered me a little bit less. I'll tell you what, you're you're a jovial guy. Jovial? Would you say Andrew the Chase is jovial? Oh yeah, I love his man chuckle. Like I, I think he's always good for the game. Like people don't mind having Chase there. I mean, he gives action, like you're saying, Phil, and he's always been that way. Like I played when we were both break even, if at best, to losing players, and he, he now he's got the beard. I mean, it's even better. I mean, he's good for good for the game. But I like the word jovial for him because he laughs a lot. He smiles a lot. And he has a, a nice personality. And and those are all factors, I think. You know, when you lose a pot to somebody, you know, it's a little bit easier. I mean, sometimes you just don't want to lose a pot to that the guy who's a complete asshole. You know, it hurts a little bit more. You know what I mean? Of course. Uh, whereas you lose to somebody jovial, having fun, who's giving a lot of action, you're like, okay, that's a deposit in the chase bank. I'm going <laughs> to get all that back eventually. Well, speaking of getting a backfill, um, I'm actually – I just got promoted, uh, started a new job. I'm, I used to work at Commerce. I actually saw you a couple times at uh, um, when you're out there for the LAPC, but now I'm a, a casino manager in one of the other local card rooms. I've got the green light on this. How would you like to play Chase a uh, freeze out on our dollar? We'd put up your main event seat. We'd buy the $10,000 main event for one of you guys. Uh, and you guys play best of three. Some. Well, Sometime when Chase is out in California, BLA, you'd have to take a flight, but you want to consider that? Or? I don't want to embarrass you again. So if you if you got time, you know, commitments, quote unquote. <laughs> <you know>. <laughs> <laughs> stuff like stuff like that is is kind of is kind of fun, right? And so sometimes sometimes um, sometimes I look at you know I'm in this fortunate position, right, where I get paid a lot of money to do things. But but a lot of times what I'll do is if I'm already like if I'm going to Vegas anyway. And someone wants a private lesson, I'll charge twenty five thousand for private lessons. Or, or somebody wants me to make an appearance during a certain time frame. A lot of times, I'll bundle a lot of that stuff together. So when I go on a trip somewhere, my friends think I'm crazy, or they're like, if they come with me, I'm like, you know, I'm working a lot this trip. You know, I mean, I want to tell you, eight days I spent 
Okay, on, on, the, on the road trip, four in D.C., four in Austin. I had six book signings. I played high-stakes poker four times. I emceed for 12 hours on one day, and I even stayed up till 5 a.m. one of those nights playing, uh, you know, playing <laughs> Baccarat, just messing around because I was having so much fun. So what I'm trying to say is something like that might work if I'm already in L.A. I know I have to film something for the WPT there soon. All right, well, let's do it, buddy. Rematch. It's on. We'll, we'll try to schedule something. Stuff like that's funny. You know? I mean, I also, I also, it's fun for me whenever I'm in Vegas or L.A., I end up filming. You know, I mean, uh, if I have to go there for another reason, I'll I'll end up filming um, for Poker After Dark or Live at the Bike or our new show on Tuesday nights, which has been a lot of fun um, at Hawaiian Gardens at Gardens Casino. There uh, was fun to shoot with a bunch of movie stars. So if I make it down there, we'll uh, we'll keep in touch and see where it leads. Awesome. Well, we'll try to I'll, I'll shoot you an email. And we'll try to organize something. And uh, I just read your well, I just got your new book. I haven't read it yet. But I'm planning on reading it. So I was thinking maybe uh, me and Drew could both read the book and and possibly have you on a later date. We'll uh, we'll maybe see if we can work something out. I like that. You just got positivity. Yeah. Yeah. I actually got it when you were out here, but I didn't have a chance to read it then. And now it's just sitting on my shelf, but I got to pick it up. Well, the beautiful thing about that book is you will finish it in an hour. So that's it fits in your back pocket, as you know. You got an Amazon, obviously, huh? Mm hmm. Mm hmm. So do me a favor. If you like it, give me a review. You got it, buddy. And that goes for everyone listening too. Get Phil's book positivity. Thank you. Yes, I need reviews on Amazon because I need to get to 100 reviews. I guess it helps. Oh, okay. You got it, buddy. All right. The the army of the podcast. Okay. You guys know yeah, what we'll to help do. You build Amazon. Give Philly uh, a good review. Uh, and we'll we'll try to organize our little uh, our, our little grudge match, quote unquote, the jovial grudge match. And... Uh, and maybe have you on back on the pod once we uh, read your book and uh, and we'll catch up at a later date. You guys have a great one. All right, Phil. Thanks, man. Take care. All right. Thank you, Phil. And now, Chase, not to be outdone, rapping. Take it away, Chase. Well, wait, wait, wait. Before I like splice in this audio, I just want to say I wasn't planning on releasing this. We sometimes do some silly stuff to get us pumped up for the pod. And all disclaimers. Zip it. Zip I, it. Just go to you rapping right now. Cut to it. Okay, you rapping. It. Whatever. I'm embarrassed. All right. <clears throat> Wrap us in. I wish I did have a good rap for Helmuth. Um, like I wish you had a really bad nothing, one. Nothing rhymes with Helmuth, right? Like, you, you know what? You know what Eminem's secret for rapping is? He said he could wrap the word orange is it's all about how you throw the pronunciation like mm, how you could do health or how muth like right or hello muth like and then um yeah 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 they call him the hell muth but he doesn't like that he's a little guy that acts like he's a big moose always over aggro getting up in your face his name is phil Helmuth. this guy needs to get hit with some mace he, they say he's got the white magic, but it's tragic. He doesn't even know that, bro, he's just a nit. He's always has it. It's the secret of the game, the thing that you do. Whenever he bets into you, you always just fold to the fool. Boom. Well, and now for all two of you that are still listening, after having to be subjected to that cringeworthy performance by Chase, um, <laughs> Chase, let's get caught up a little bit. It's been a couple of days since we were able to talk to Phil. I know you've played in, uh, or I saw on Instagram actually, you played in a pretty big game. Oh, talk to me about that. Like, what was that game about? 
Well, it was, a, I mean, it was just kind of one of our, every couple months we'll get a big, uh, big game going where, uh, there's one guy that organizes and he puts together a lively crew and it was, it was an especially lively crew that night. We were, we were gambling. It was, uh, the stakes were, there was three blinds, 25, 50, 100 blinds. And the hundred dollar blind had to put in a $300 ante. So uh, this game was like massive, like opening raises were five to eight hundred dollars, like three bets were like two to three thousand. It was just it was huge. Um, And it was like bittersweet. I won the biggest pot tied for the biggest pot I've ever won. I won eighty seventy eight thousand. Yeah, it was weird. I won a seventy eight thousand dollar pot, which is the same size pot I won on live the bike like a couple months ago. So I won a seventy eight K pot and like the last hour just got smashed in the face and lost most of my profit and only won won eight thousand in the game so it was it was a little disappointing but if you would have said hey you want to go to work and make six thousand i would have been pretty pumped about it so yeah uh, it's funny were you sitting uh so i mean the deepest i was was i i bought in the game forty thousand and then i was seventy eight thousand after i won that hand wow um yeah and there were and there were people that covered me at the table that sat like down was, covering you or just had had ran well, doubled up or something or won some pots? Uh, either one. I mean, there's some guys that had ran well, ran up a stack, and then there's some guys that had ran bad and added on 90K, you know? Wow. Wow. Yeah, it goes each way. Cool. So it was fun. We'll, we'll definitely catch up on that next time. Um, I can definitely pull some hand histories from that. Um, certainly I'll pull the, the 80, the 78K win uh, hand. It was actually kind of an interesting hand. I've had a lot. I posted on social media and had a lot of people ask me about it. So we'll probably get into that. Yeah, I think it's an interesting spot. Um, let's save that for next time and some of the other hands. Um, will you tell everyone about our social media, how they can get in touch with us? One of the big things we like to do on our PokerCast is try to involve you guys since we have just a really intimate crew of people that I think follow you on social media as you play, travel. And then we always are try to try to our best to be responsive uh, through questions and just interactions. Take it away. The best way to get a hold of us to get on the pod, get your question answered, that kind of thing, is our email, top2pokercast at gmail.com. You can also just hit us up on social media. My Instagram uh, is just my name, Chase Bianchi. Twitter, Chase underscore Bianchi. And yours are both, I am a nublet, correct? Yes, that is correct. My gaming hashtag for everything. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, you guys can hit us up there and we... Sometimes we'll pull stuff from there too. So, uh, yeah, let us know. Uh, get the cool thing about us being a pretty small podcast is you guys have a voice. So if there's something you want to talk about, you got a question, email, send it in. Be if you just want to troll Chase, that's also totally acceptable. Uh, as yeah, I if you're doing like, God, like, on a got rap lyrics for me or something. Oh, gosh. <laughs> and I do promise you uh, that we'll try to never have that <laughs> surprise you mid poker cast again. That was that was something. Yeah, and I'm probably just not going to rap anymore to get us pumped up together <laughs> because it's going to be embarrassing. Whatever. All right. Whatever uh, you wanted it, we'll put it in. Uh, we really appreciate you guys joining us. And until next time, Andrew and Chase, signing off. Later, guys. <laughs>